Thanks for joining us for Episode 2 of Season 4 of Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and okay, I don't mean to brag, but we are each bag has its own chip clip rich. So we don't have double bags That's for one true. clip. We don't, and I don't know. They made pos- it happen just we, a couple of weeks ago. I <laughs> You ordered some, and now we have individual clips for each bag of chips. No paper clips, no clothespins, you know. So our Doritos are given the respect they deserve. Doritos is not a sponsor. Yes, those kale chips will stay fresh Forever. as long as kale chips stay fresh. Which I don't know if that's very long. Or, if it, or is it too long? They're going stale now. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business. And several years ago, my son and I had a take your kid to work day. I was called into my supervisor's office where a crisis was unfolding that involved my department. And after several minutes of him lambasting me, the supervisor turned to my son and said, so what have you learned today? (laughs) Without missing a beat, his response was, I've learned not to come in here anymore. Oh, snap. Brutal. Brutal. You have the kids, you know, they speak the truth. He was resilient. I don't think it scarred him or anything. No, no, no. And my son either. On today's show, we discuss the three signs that you and your partner are having communication issues. And we interview Dimitri Scott with the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center about customer service. And at the end of the show, Jody tests my boating knowledge. Mm-hmm. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. For our topic today, we are starting a new segment that will pop up on the podcast periodically. Glenn just bought some windscreens and I'm testing the popping peas and going to get make sure we get the most out of this. Yeah, and you bought some extra plosives. I know. Did that work though? Yeah. Okay, pop up on the podcast periodically. So this is a perfect. new... Perfect. This is a new segment and it's called Three Signs. So uh, we'll take a different subject matter and boil it down to three signs you should look for or in some cases look out for. Don't you, know. you think that you need to give it a bigger intro? Well, I wondered if we needed, like, again, sound effects. Like, you know, that boo, 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 you know, that they do at clubs, or I can't do the sound very well. Or I was thinking Star Wars when you're doing that. Oh, pew, no. Pew, it's pew. a pew, 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 pew. They, pew is a registered trademark of Star Wars, I Probably, think. yeah. So we couldn't do that. But maybe there's a song. Do we need to, like, do a Well, you song? probably need to do the, <laughs> this segment is three signs. Kind of like what I do. Follow my example. Okay. Okay. Yes. Show me the way. Let, let me let me hear you. This segment is three signs. Mm, needs a little bit more drama. Oh, okay. <clears throat> three signs. In a world where there are three signs. Yeah, think that way. So anyway, the segment is going to be three signs, and we're going to do different topics. And today's topic is communication. So we're going to talk about the three signs that you and your partner aren't communicating well. Hmm. So (laughs) exactly. So here's the very beginning of our three signs series. Number one. You talk past each other. Now, we actually covered this in depth in episode seven of season three, but it's clear. Why are you looking at me when you say it specifically? (laughs) It's clearly a sign. And I mean, it's it's earned a spot on this list. If you're talking past each other, 
then you're you clearly that's a sign you're having communication issues, don't you think? I think so. Um, you know, that's one of the most common probably communication problems between couples or even between coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to avoid it. The key is simple but complicated. It's listening. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. How how absolutely simple it is, but it's complicated because you are wanting to get your point across. And sometimes you're even on the same side. Yeah. And you don't even realize it. You're saying yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And listening is kind of a skill, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes practice like any other skill. It takes practice to develop it. You have to kind of cultivate it. You do a really great job of that. When I see you interact with other people, you, because I think you're just naturally curious and you are interested in their story or whatever they're they're talking about, the topic, and you ask follow-up questions. So you kind of have that just sort of instinctively, um, but it is something you have to practice. You have to think, okay, I'm having a conversation with this person. My goal is to leave this conversation with at least one, maybe two bits of new information. And hopefully the other person's money. And it, and money and credit card uh, If you're number. really slick. Yes, then really, you kind of slide really, that in there. That's another talent for another show. But listening and doing follow-up. And then when you're with a coworker or your spouse with working, you do have to like listen and then make sure that you are understanding what they're saying. Yeah, and I think it tends to be a little bit different with your coworkers than it is with your spouse. Mm-hmm. In the days of coworkers, for me, for example, um, I was trying to make sure that the tasks got done, you know, that's kind of the basic, Mm -hmm. but also to listen for new ideas or new suggestions or new uh, challenges that were coming up. So my listening ears were on more often than not, whereas at home with your spouse. You're saying they're not on? I, did you I ju- say that did you just admit that you're not ears listening? May not be on. Okay, yep. Yeah, no, I'm listening to you here. I'm, I've got a couple of examples. Okay. Okay. So with coworkers, it would go something like, let's say that um, I'm, I'm carrying the conversation for both of us. Okay. Um, good morning. How is it going today? And you say, well, not very well. My cat stole a car, ran over the dog, and got arrested. And I say, oh, that's terrible. Well, there's a cat attorney's office in town. I'll look up the number and text it to you. I am obviously listening to what you have to say, and I've offered some sort of a a helpful suggestion. Right. Rather than maybe alerting somebody that there's a bizarre cat that is able to drive now? No, because that's part of your problem, and it's on you, really. Oh, it's on you. (laughs) You're just there to offer support. You're not there to judge. You're not there to, you know. I don't completely have your six, but maybe I've got your 630. (laughs) Okay. So here's the example when a couple isn't listening to each other. Okay. It's like I say, good morning, Jody. How's it going today? And you say, where are my TPS reports? Okay. That is... That is definitely not listening, but it's also kind of maybe jumping past like just common like conversation, being so focused on something. I call it listen jumping. Listen jumping. Or jump listening. Yeah. You aren't really listening to the person. You are just trying to get to the task and to almost too soon. Yeah. You're not you're not giving them the respect that you would maybe a coworker. You're saying like with a couple you just get so yeah, 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 whatever, and just get straight to it. You don't have that yeah. communication. Well between couples I've got three sort mm-hmm. of sidebar factors okay. that this can include. Number one is assuming you know what your partner is going to say. 
oh, I do that all the time. Or I assume I know what you're going to ask, and yeah. I try to answer it before. Yeah. That's that's a big, yeah, big one for me. Yeah. And I've done it quite a bit, too. It's just one of those things, you get into a flow of a relationship, and after a while, the familiarity kicks in. Yeah, yeah. And it's real hard to resist that temptation to anticipate, you know, well, I'm going to go... And you think, I'm going to go get gas in the car. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to go... But know, instead, for... I'm going to go find that cat who can drive. Yes. Because that is really weird. That cat chauffeur is exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two is responding to tone instead of words. Oh. Yeah, because sometimes to use the word like tone deaf, but not in the most accurate, but in to follow up with what you're saying... Sometimes with colleagues that you don't work very often with or vendors, you don't know the tone. And yeah. you might assume something, but you're not sure. But if it's your spouse, you know that tone. Sure. And you might be responding to that instead. So what's like what's the solution for that? I mean, if the person is clearly has tone, like if I if I say three different ways, I say, Hey, uh, where's where are we on this project? Where are we on this project? Yeah. Where are we on this project? You know my tone. Yeah, those are three different questions. Yeah, three different questions. Same words, different Same questions. Same words. So what's, what, what do you do? Just try to like... I duck and cover and wait for it to pass. Yeah, that's true. Or stop, drop, and roll. Which one is it? Both of them work for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think sometimes that does cause a problem when you talk past each other. You're listening to tone as opposed to words. And maybe, maybe that's good because you have such a relationship, you know the tone. But maybe that's bad in that... Maybe the tone wasn't necessarily that uh, frustration with you or about that topic. The tone is, I just finished a, a call with someone that stressed me out, and I still have that mindset, but I'm asking you something totally different. So maybe you can't always assume, or you can't always read into the tone that yeah. it's about you. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a negative tone. It's just like you you put it just a second yeah. ago. Those three different ways of asking the question are three different questions. Yeah, like where where are we on this project? Like is, is you know exciting or you know where are we where are we just my ideas I can't wait versus where are we on this project like you know dread. And you wouldn't necessarily do that if mm-hmm. you were in an office setting or had people on a Zoom conference or something like or that. Or email. Email. Or, yeah, an email tone is really hard to understand in yeah, email. Yeah, it's uh, you know all caps or nothing for me. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. All right, you have one more example of Number how people three, talk yeah. past each other. And this is a big one especially these days distractions. Yes, you talk past each other and you're not listening because your mind is still on, say, for instance, that call. Say, I just had a call with something that stressed me out. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention. So, yeah, I'm listening, but not listening. And I'm talking past what you're saying. You have a text from a client. There's mm-hmm. a dumpster fire that you need to tend to. But you're locked into the next 10 or 15 minutes of having to devote to whatever your partner is trying to tell you or show you. Right. Yeah. So do you like when you have something like that happen, do you try to take a moment and is there some sort of like, um, like I know sometimes I might have, I, I don't have like panic attacks like that have been diagnosed, but sometimes I get, I do get stressed and Glenn has done a great job. Sometimes he'll see me getting stressed and remind me to breathe, which I know is like, remind you to breathe, but you'd, you'd be surprised how tense you are and how much you're like, that's the go-to when all else fails. And and the second go-to is just to tell you to shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. Get over it. Walk it off. Get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Rub some dirt on it. No, he's very, he's very good at like saying, okay, something's wrong. Take a moment. 
moment, breathe. And then I'm like, yeah, you're right. I need to cleanse, kind of cleanse my mind. Do you do something like that too? Like, so, because that's the thing, like you said, you're, you're holding on to something and you're distracted and the distraction may not always be negative, but when it's negative, you probably need to do some sort of breath exercise or take a moment before you kind of transition to something else. That was one of the lessons that your first diagnosis and surgery with cancer taught me Mm -hmm. was, and I think I've talked to you about this before, was how to just be. Yeah. There was nothing else. It would be the end of the day, finished with the chemo, we're back at your place. There was nothing that I could do. I couldn't get you any food. I couldn't get you anything, you know, to to read or anything like that. You just wanted to sleep. Mm -hmm. And there I am. There's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do to help you anymore at that point. Just be. So I think at that time, that was kind of the impetus for me to start learning that technique of just try not to project into the future, try not to think of any worst case scenarios, best case, anything in between scenarios. Just put your feet on the ground, concentrate on your breathing for a little bit. Yeah. So kind of clear your mind and be in the moment. And that is a perfect way to not talk past each other because you're in the moment and you are completely thinking about what that person's saying at that time. And I think that you've done that before in work situations. Mm -hmm. But yours is more like, give me a minute. Yes, I will. (laughs) You kind of have to hit the reset button. And I've done that too. If you, you know, something goes on off on your phone and you're in the middle of doing something else, you've got a couple of different things going on at once. Right. Then you have to reset. You have to say, give me a minute. So your mind can prioritize. You follow through with that and it works out. No, and I like the fact that it's the, it, it is the bonus of being in a couple, uh, a, a business as a couple, is that I can say, give me a minute, and you're not, like, offended by it. You know, and I'm, I'm trying not to be rude. It's not like I say, you know, I'm yelling at you, give me a minute. I'm just like, give me a minute. And you know, you kind of like instinctively know, okay, yeah. she's got to reset. Yeah. Because, um, and again, it's not like we're, you know, we're managing nuclear codes. But in the moment, it's very hard not to emotionally ramp up when you've got um, a deadline that's not being met, uh, a file that got uh, lost that is absolutely necessary for something, or yeah. a client has uh, has some issue that you have to address immediately. Um it's hard not to get, you know, have it snowball into something that's much bigger than it needs to be, but you get a minute, reset, and then you can, you know, converse. So, And my, my last note on this is when you take someone for granted, you can let a lot of things get in the way of listening. Yeah, yeah, that is... So quit taking your partners for granted, quit people. Quit taking your partners for granted. The next sign was you argue about minor things. So, for instance, the fight you had this morning about Post-it notes, not a sponsor, although they should be given how much I use Post-it notes. Mm-hmm. But the fight you had this morning about Post-it notes wasn't really about Post-its. No. Um, I take them very seriously, and I use a lot of them, but it was probably about something bigger that you haven't addressed. So this is a sign that you're having communication problems because you're not talking about what really is bothering you. You're talking about these small things and letting them sort of be proxies for your frustrations. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's common in relationships, but then it gets really complicated when you've added a business into this. As most things do. Yeah. So it's like, maybe you stop, take a look at what is really bothering you. And if you're the person who, and we've talked about this in previous episodes about conflict resolution, but if you're the person who is 
on the end of me yelling, where my post-it notes not here or whatever it is, then you need to think, okay, what is she really upset about? Let me just not get defensive. Let me not attack her, but let me ask some questions and, and kind of get to the bottom of that. And I like to do that. Yeah. I can look past the yelling. My ears <laughs> and I can't. don't I don't yell, I'm, but you know no, what I'm saying? You really but like don't. No, and neither do you, but it's like sometimes you have an argument and it's really not about whatever it is or disagreement. It's not about that issue. Yeah. It's there's an other stressor and you're very good at identifying. You're like Wait, you're stressed about something beyond I be, that. I, I should get extra pay for that. You should. You should. But well, like, do you find that if you are getting frustrated about something, mm-hmm. something that normally wouldn't bother you or wouldn't be that big of a deal, do you find yourself stopping and saying, okay, what is this really about? Absolutely. You know, the trouble we've had with your computer the past several days? Yes. That has been on my mind like crazy because I'm the IT person in our company. He is, and he does a very good job. Well, I didn't do a good job on this one because I couldn't find the problem. We wound up having to get a whole new computer. The thing about that was, though, it hung over my head so heavily. I was trying to go through the list of checking and rechecking and doing all of that, that it kind of overshadowed a lot of the other tasks and some of the communication that we were trying to have. And you called me out on that. Well, and you were Not you were, called me out, but you oh, were yelled. able to recognize. I yelled. I said, I threw some Post-it notes You at yelled you. me out on that. Really good. <laughs> Yeah. And I threw post-it notes. Post-it. No, post-it. post-it. Um, no, I think you have been edgier, but I knew what it was about. Yeah. It was not about whatever was on the task list, or it wasn't about um, an email you got. It was about the computer is still an issue. So I think that's something that people who are in business together, hopefully you kind of get a vibe from your partner because you are married that you know what's really bothering them. Or if you don't, then that's where you feel like, okay, I need to ask because this is so out of character. So what would you say is the third sign of uh, communication problems? Yeah, not communicating at all. That's a problem. Yeah. Communication problem solved. Just don't communicate. Yeah. That's a big red flag. Yeah. If you're finding yourself having difficulty communicating, you decide, you know what? Let's just not. This is overrated. <laughs> Let's just not yeah. communicate. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, are you avoiding conversations? Are you not talking about certain topics? Are you keeping people out of the, you know, your partner or your employees out of the loop? Because you just really, I don't know, you don't want to communicate because you're worried about arguments, misunderstandings. I don't know. Or you're just tired of the same patterns. Yeah. You know, you you get well, into true. the argumentative phase and all of a sudden you're right back where you were on it 24 hours ago, 2 weeks ago, whenever. You know, the the Huffington Post article that part of this is based on and we'll put that in the show notes has an extreme example of this. There was a couples therapy session going on and there were two people in there that could barely stand to be in the same room. So they took a break, they let them go out and you know just for a couple of seconds, cool off, and they came back in. And I think it was the wife that told the husband, you know, he was saying, you can say whatever you want to to me. This is a safe space. She says, I often think about your death. Oh, my God. That is extreme. But when you look at that statement, I think it had more to do with the death of the lack of communication than the actual physical death. And that was just what happened in the moment and the way that she expressed it. Wow. It's a pretty extreme expression, but yeah. I doubt that she did that, but you know, it's like I said, that's on the the Huffington Post thing. I tried re-referencing the Psychology Today article that we did in the the Mm -hmm. last episode on this, but they were doing site maintenance. Oh. 
<laughs> so traumatic. So I, they're not communicating with no, you. No, and I need counseling because of it. We visited with Dimitri Scott, the entrepreneurial education specialist at the Arkansas Small Business Development Center, and got his views on the importance of customer service for small businesses. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about, the overall topic would be about customer service and and customer loyalty. Um, And there are two different things. Customer loyalty could come out of you're a member of a points club or you are um, you're a fan and you follow them on, on on Facebook so you might have some customer loyalty but how important is customer service their experience with your business to ensuring that that loyalty stays or is cultivated yes um, and I love the distinction between customer loyalty and customer service because they're definitely two different things but customer service directly impacts your overall customer experience which uh, consumers value more and more as you know we progress and, and information is, is, is free out there and there's so much competition. And so in order to have a competitive advantage over those that you're competing with, uh, customer service becomes more and more important. And so giving your consumers that customer experience allows for them to have that positive um interpretation of your business, which that experience turns and fosters a relationship. And that relationship building is what increases that likelihood of building that customer loyalty. Now, you said it's actually more important than other factors like location and price, for instance. Like if I have a bad customer service experience, will I still, or as an average consumer, will I still go someplace just because it's convenient or the price is right? Or do you feel like this is something that truly defines whether a person's going to shop or come to your business? I feel like that's a little bit of a loaded question because it depends. Mm -hmm. All three of those factors are um, competitive advantages that you have as a business, where your location is, your price point, and your customer service. And so depending on the situation um, is going to depend on whether or not your customer is making that decision. Like if I get gas, I'm not really worried about my customer experience or my customer service there. Uh, Walmart, a perfect example. I could have the worst customer experience but their prices and their convenience of their locations are so beneficial to me that I'm going to go back. But in the small business realm, uh, customer service is so valuable because those price points are, aren't as flexible as Walmart. Mm-hmm. And so your customer experience is going to make or break whether or not they come back um, because you have competitors like Walmart. For small business owners, customer service is what differentiates you from those big brands. And if you look at the data, uh, 68% of consumers prefer customer experience over a lower price. And about uh, 60% of those same customers say that they value uh, customer experience over a low price or a location. And that's really important for small businesses to know because, yeah, you're right. They don't they don't have the ability to leverage their vendors to get uh, the discounted prices. And they may not be able to afford the prime real estate costs to be in the best location. But this is one of those three factors. They're all important, but one of those three factors that they can make a major impact with yes it's it's the one that you can control in every situation um i played sports uh 
basically all my life and most of my coaches would tell me what you can control and what you bring to the table is your attitude on a daily basis. For small business owners, it's the same thing as it relates to customer service. You're not always going to be able to determine what your suppliers offer you as far as price. Uh, inflation uh, varies depending on the economic situation, but the experience that your customers have when they enter your store is completely up to you and the culture that you build at your business. Dimitri, one of the big challenges in front of businesses now is to get their team to buy in to the culture of customer service. You got any tips or ideas on how to do that? Um, Yes. So I think it starts with leadership. Um, It's so important to lead your team and set those expectations uh, on the front end from even the interview and the hiring process, Um, making sure that you are um, setting that expectation when you're hiring them, when you're training them uh, to have that customer experience be a focal point of something that you hold important as a small business owner. Um, After that, it's about rewarding those individuals who are providing that good customer service and that good customer experience for your uh, consumers. If you get a a good, um, you know, review for one of your employees from one of your customers, like make sure that you are going out of your way to recognize that employee and, um, build upon that experience and kind of hone in on what happened and make sure that they understand that that's something that you want and you enjoy um, out of them as an employee. It seems like what you're saying is to make it an individual contact point between you and your team member instead of putting up a generic employee of the month plaque, you know, something that's impersonal, you don't really make such an announcement about it. Uh, instead of doing that, you come to the employee, like you're, you're saying, this team member is somebody that I want to spend a few minutes with in recognition of, whether there's anybody else around or not. Uh, definitely. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't do the employee of the month and do the recognition publicly. But those interactions... Um, on a personal level, letting them know like, hey, I saw you upsell that customer and make sure that they um, got everything that they needed out of the store. I really appreciate you as an employee. Thank you. Um, And giving them that validation personally, I think goes much further than a plaque on a wall. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. We actually had a discussion with one of our clients um, about working with their, their wait staff, their restaurant, and basically trying to explain to them that yes, you're you know the wait staff, but you're not an order taker. And which I first thought, well, that's kind of what they are. But no, you are creating an experience. Mm-hmm. So you need to suggest something or let them know about something that's new on the menu. Don't just say, hey, what do you want to really engage? And they're trying to, I guess, work with them and mentor the you know, younger staff members to understand that, oh, I can actually be more than just someone who writes down a note. I can actually help this person have a wonderful dining experience. Yeah, I think that is a great point to bring up as well. And a great way to get employee buy-in is to let them know that they're impacting another person. I think that we all inherently want to, you know, be positive and be impactful on people that we interact. And so encouraging them to do that and reminding them that, hey, yes, you're getting a paycheck from this job, but you can have such an impact on our customers and positively impact what they do outside of what we do. Um, I think that's a great motivator to uh, get that buy-in. So, okay, here's a big question that a lot of small business um, owners have to deal with, and that's when you get a bad review. Um, You talked about if you get a good review going to the employee. Sometimes these reviews, 
like how much, I mean, how much can you put in towards to believing some of these reviews? Some of them, they're just somebody who, if you look at their review history, they've given one stars to everybody and they just complain about everything. They may have legit reasons, but part of me is like, well, I feel like they're just, they're just instigating something. They're just trying to stir something up. But how do you handle bad reviews, whether it's in the store, uh, like training employees, or on social media, when it comes to a customer service perspective? Um, I think the biggest thing is to respond as quickly as possible. um, When you get that bad review, Uh, definitely be proactive in making sure that that one bad review doesn't, you know, escalate to something more. Um, Validating whether or not they have a reason for their bad review comes later, but acknowledging, hey, I I apologize for your experience. Um, And you don't even have to offer anything as far as like a free service, just acknowledging that, hey, I'm sorry that your experience was bad. That's not our intention. Be transparent if you have information uh, as to maybe why something happened. Um, But addressing it as soon as possible and kind of taking control of the narrative as soon as possible is going to be helpful for your business in the long run. Yeah, that's one of the negative things is back years ago, if you know, you had, say, someone who was always complaining about something in your family and they said, oh, I'd never go I'd never go to that restaurant again. You kind of take it with a grain of salt. Now it could be on the internet and then blown up and it just becomes bigger. So I love that you're saying take control of the narrative by acknowledging it and then worry about whether it's legitimate later. Is the customer always right? I think this is kind of a a personal pain point for me. Um, My first job was at Sonic. Um, And I've spent a lot of time in kind of a customer service. uh, I thought you were going to say therapy. (laughs) I, I seriously, you're leading up. I've spent a lot of time. Yeah. Probably at some like point, that. there will be some things that, yeah. that happen. Um, and I might talk to a therapist one day about them. Uh, for example, I was in Houston in high school, 16-year-old kid. Um, I was on skates because, you know, that's the that's the car hop way. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. That's like classic Sonic. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. That's why I worked there. I prided myself in making sure that like the people that I served, like got their order on time. If they need anything, I would bring it to them. I was trying to be fast and responsive, um, but I wasn't in control of everything. So one order was bagged uh, improperly. Um, she didn't get what she had wanted. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the layout of Sonic. Like there's that door that only employees go through. Mm -hmm. So um, this lady, she gets out of her car. She comes in behind one of our car hops, takes her food out of her bag and throws it on the floor. Oh, and just completely starts screaming, I want a refund, you made my food wrong, and going on and on and on. So like in this situation, like she's right, we made her food wrong, but she is not right to do what she did. Yeah. And so as a manager or as a small business owner in this situation, first things first, you have to take control and and defend your employees. This Mm -hmm. is your employee's space, so you have- And safety. Yes, so taking her out of that situation and trying to de-escalate it and handling everything outside of the realm of safety to make sure that things are done the way that they're supposed to. That barrier shouldn't have been crossed. Mm -hmm. And so she was wrong in that situation, right? And the fact that we did make her food wrong, like we did. So we provided her a refund, but uh, the way that customers behave is not always justifiable or right. And obviously that's kind of an extreme example. So with some other examples, uh, when do you know 
or is there a point at which you do know that it's time to push back, it's time to let that customer, in essence, go to fire the customer? When you've done all you can. When you've done all you can, mm-hmm. and the the customer is still not willing to, I, I guess, be a, a, a good customer or be behave. I think what that wording you said, be a good customer, that expectation should be set on them as well. And I think as a small business owner, it's it's your job to kind of set out that process. So that looks different in every industry, in every situation. But you definitely should have that marker of, okay, they've like whether it's frequency of complaint, like, oh, this is the fourth time this month they've claimed that something has happened. And again, goes back to validating, validating whether or not it happened. So giving them the benefit of the doubt at, at the front end, definitely, because they are the customer. Um, without them giving you money for your service or your product, you aren't going to be in business. Um, their word of mouth is very powerful. But making sure that you have those boundaries set as well. Um, And you have to determine what that looks like for you and your business and your employees. Because what you don't want to do is chase a customer um, trying to validate them and make sure that they're okay and lose your employees. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. they don't feel like you're supporting them. Um, Back to my extreme example, my manager didn't really handle it well or defend me and I didn't want to show up to work the next day because I was like this customer came in and yelled and was in my face and you didn't defend me yeah it had a negative effect on you mm-hmm. right which could affect your bottom line as a small business owner just as much as a bad review from a customer and so making sure that you kind of uh, toe that line between defending my employees uh, my brand my culture within my business while also serving my customers in a way that Setting that expectation, like this is the service that you should expect from us, being consistent on that line, and that will kind of guide you on when to fire a customer. Mm -hmm. That is a good point because managers do need to think in terms of, you know, yes, you want to make sure your employees are doing the right thing, but you also want to do the right thing by them. Mm -hmm. So this has been very insightful. I think we need to bring you back, and next time, everyone on roller skates. Oh, (laughs) I'm ready. It's quiz time. Couples quiz. I love doing this. This is a couples quiz, right? It is a couple. Well, no, it's not a couples quiz. It's a uh, boat trip. We are a couple and it is a quiz, but it's not a couples quiz in the traditional sense of us finding out about each other in terms of being a couple. This is uh, about how much you know about boating trivia. We will grow stronger as a couple at the end of this quiz i thought so okay good so here's the thing too i'm wondering normally for these quizzes you do like a bit or ding ding let's do something different since it's about boating do you want to do like a i don't know bell if it's a winner ding ding yeah ding ding like not the same ding ding bell on a boat bell on a boat and then what about for like if it's wrong That works. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Hopefully we won't hear too much of that because that's for wrong answers. Yeah. You're not going to hear that anymore. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah. Never again. (laughs) Introducing for its last time. Yes. Okay. For its final performance. All right. And these are all multiple choice. I've got four questions for you. Are you ready? you do. Are you ready? I am. I'm ready to cast off. uh, Okay. This is going to be full of puns, isn't it? This is going to be... Yeah. Okay, number one. 
Which nautical term is used when a boat has to slow down or speed up or go in a different direction to avoid colliding with another boat? A. Leeway. B. Giveway. C. Fairway. D. Milky Way. Um, what are number one and two again? A. Leeway. B. Giveway. C. Fairway and D, Milky Way, wow. a very delicious candy bar, which yeah, is not Milky the answer, Way, but you know, it's not or the it's also you know because it's in space, in space as well. This but I, I think candy bar when I see here Milky Way, you may hear uh, I think, space I think constellation constellation. No, is it? Wait, that's our constellation. Is the Milky? I thought Way. it was our universe. It's our the, constellation. The, yes. Okay. I think that's right. We'll find out. If this podcast finds alien life, we're <laughs> sorry we're so ignorant out. about our own home galaxy. Gal- galaxy, that's what it is. Not constellation. It's our galaxy. Well, it is a constellation, though. But it's a it? galaxy. I don't know. I'm going to have to look I said universe, that. but I meant galaxy. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Um, Makes me feel so small now. We're just little I know. meat sacks. Back on Earth... In the water, if you're a boat that has to slow down, speed up, or go in a different direction, uh, so you don't collide, is it leeway, giveway, fairway, or Milky Way? I think it's a leeway. Wrong. Oh. It's giveway. Oh. Oh. Too cocky there with the whole foghorn. Well, yeah, I guess so. All right, next up. I'll come back down to earth now. Or to water. (laughs) Come back to water. Okay, number two. The United States Coast Guard has established specific safety items that must be on board every recreational boat, such as having a life preserver, jacket or vest, for every passenger. Sure, makes sense. Okay, which of these items is not required? A. Compass and map. B. Distress signals like flags. C. Fire extinguisher. Or D, a boombox playing Margaritaville. Okay, D is actually oh. a joke answer, so that is not wow. one of the choices. Oh, that's, that's and actually, a, I do think that should be required. I'd put some Jimmy Buffett on the playlist if I were going to C. Yeah. All right, so forget D. That was kind of a funny thing there, but yeah. compass and map, distress signals, or fire extinguisher, which is not required. Compass and map is what I think. You are correct. Yeah. Because everybody drives a boat like they don't know where they're going anyway, so and they don't why care. Would that be a requirement? As long as you're safe, they don't care where you're going or if you know where you're going. Safe. Safe. But mm-hmm. either way, you're going to end up at Margaritaville. Yes. Okay. Three. What does it mean to swamp a boat? A. Get it stuck in mud. B. It fills with water but is still upright. C. You have too many people on board. D. The boat is now the property of an alligator. <laughs> Well, I think the alligator would probably be able to declare force majeure on the boat. Yes. Because, obviously, you know, teeth and and strong jaws and all that. Right. Uh, I am going to go with the fill with water but still afloat. Correct. Ding, ding. Or, well, you already did the sound effect. Sorry. One bell only on this ship. One bell only. All right. So, (laughs) so so far, one was wrong, two was right, three was right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number four. This is for all the marbles, isn't this it? This is for all the marbles. Which of these is not the name of a knot? A. Clove hitch. B. Sheet bend. C. Monkey's fist. D. Sheep shank. Or E. 
These are all crazy names for knots. When you say not the name of a knot, mm-hmm. what kind of question is that? The best kind. Not, not the, na- the name of a K-N-O-T. Okay, you're talking about knots like in boat speed, boat yes. velocity? No, 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 no. I'm talking about sailor's knots. But you just said yes. I am so confused now. No, I said yes for knots. I want to DQ Sa- this question. But you said w- water knots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sailor's knots. Like Judges, can we have this one thrown out? <laughs> when they're tied knots and ropes. Which of these is not the name of a sailor knot? All right. A, clove hitch. B, sheet bend. C, monkey's fist. D, sheep shank, or E, these are all crazy names for knots. Huh. Well, they are all crazy names for knots except one. That's the sheet bend. Okay. Is that your answer? That's what you said, right? Which one is not the name of a knot? Not the knot. Mm-hmm. Which one's not not? Right. Sheet bend, is that what sheet. you said? Sheet. Sheet bend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> No, it, these are all actually crazy names no for knots. No way. I looked them all, yes, they're all actually legit names for Sailor's Knots and for some cool indie college band albums. <laughs> or bands. Especially, Welcome to the stage, Clove Hitch! Yes. <laughs> A special guest, Monkey Fist. Thanks for listening to Couples, Inc., a podcast helping couples work better together. We put out new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month. But to make sure you don't miss a show, subscribe using your favorite streaming service. We're on all of them. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, go ahead, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave us a rating or review. And be sure to visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com, to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.